It is very appropriate that we are partaking of communion on New Year's Eve. Communion, of course, was established by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, during the Passover meal. Jesus was the fulfillment of Passover. In John 1.29, John the Baptist, when seeing Jesus coming toward him, said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it reads, Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So Passover and communion are intricately linked in the scriptures. Why is it so appropriate that we be celebrating communion on New Year's Eve? If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. If you don't have your Bibles, there are Bibles in the pew. I do not have a handout this evening. We're going to look at various reasons why it is appropriate that we be celebrating communion on New Year's Eve. The first reason it is appropriate that we be celebrating communion on New Year's Eve is because Passover was the reason for the establishment of the month Aviv as the first month of the new year of the Jewish calendar. In Exodus chapter 12, where we find the instructions concerning Passover, in Exodus chapter 12, and verse 1, it reads, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. God starts Passover by making it a mark of a new beginning for the children of Israel. Right in the middle of their year, all of a sudden, things change. They go from the sixth month to becoming the first month. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 3, it reads, Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. If the household is too small for a lamb, then he his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without a blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then she, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. Jumping down to verse 17. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day, I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Their coming out of the land of Egypt was a, 
a new beginning. Things were going to drastically change, change for the better. They're going to leave the land of Egypt and the land of bondage, and they're headed to a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Likewise, communion marks a new beginning. It is at the Passover meal that Jesus institutes communion with his disciples. Jesus' death and resurrection marks a new beginning for the people of God. The church recognizes the resurrection as a new beginning and gathering together on Sunday to worship in celebration of the resurrection of our Lord and no longer worships on the Sabbath day. In addition, the new year is often associated with new beginnings. It's a time traditionally when people make New Year's resolutions. They're going to turn over a new leaf. They're going to have a fresh start. They're going to make some significant changes in their life. Things are going to be different, they say. Here is an opportunity to start afresh. Tonight marks a new beginning in the life of our church. We have a new senior pastor as of tomorrow. It will be a, a time to start fresh and experience all of God's blessings that he has in store for the church. We take communion in light of that new beginning. Secondly, the second reason that it is appropriate that we celebrate communion on the New Year's Eve is because it is to be celebrated in anticipation of what the Lord is going to do. The Israelites were to be dressed and ready to go as they ate the Passover meal. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, we find these instructions. In this manner, you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beasts, and all the goods, uh, gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. God says, I'm going to deliver you. And you are <laughs> to get ready. You are to be prepared. We're going to be marching. Get dressed. Put a belt on. Put sandals on your feet. When you eat this Passover meal, it's anticipation of all that I am going to do for you, for I am the Lord. Most likely, as we partake of communion, Jesus is not going to return this evening. But he will return. And we are to partake of communion in anticipation of that return. As often eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. He's coming. He's coming. But in the meantime, in the meantime, Jesus is building his church. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, it reads, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We need to look forward in anticipation of all that the Lord is going to do, including 
the building of his church. In our midst, there ought to be a sense of excitement as we anticipate the future. What does God have in store for us? What are the next years going to look like if the Lord tarries? He has promised to build his church. He is going to be meeting our needs and he is going to be establishing his work. And we need to partake of communion in anticipation of all that God is going to do for us in the future. The third reason it's appropriate that we celebrate communion on New Year's Eve is because both communion and Passover were established to be memorials or remembrances of what God has done. Passover was to be a day to remember God's deliverance from the bondage in Egypt, Exodus 12, 14. This day shall be for you a memorial. This day shall be for you a memorial. There was an initial Passover, of course, in which the angel of death did pass over, and the firstborn of the Egyptians died. The Israelites were spared, and God did lead them out of bondage and across the Red Sea. And there was to be a perpetual remembrance of what God had done. The day on which he did it was to be celebrated individually and as families. They were to eat the Passover lamb together. They were to reflect on all that God had done for them in the past. Corporately, for the nation of Israel, it says that they were all to celebrate it at the same time. Likewise, communion is a time to remember God's deliverance from sin through his body and blood. It is the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that frees us from our bondage. And we are told in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four 24, that when the Lord had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. A memorial. Do this in remembrance of me. All that I have accomplished as he is portraying his death and resurrection. Again in verse 25. Also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And just like Passover, we, we celebrate it as an individual testimony to what God has done for me and for you as individuals. But corporately, we take communion together to celebrate what God has done for us as a people, as a church. God has transformed us by his grace and brought us into a very unique and precious relationship to one another in which we call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ because God has made us a family.
and a family we are. And by God's grace and his redemptive work in our hearts, we are committed to one another. And we express that commitment to God and to one another in the partaking of communion. This service, that is Passover, was to be a time in which they reflected upon God as God had delivered them from the land of Egypt. Communion was a time to celebrate what Jesus had done and was going to do for the church. Passover was not a time to reflect upon what Moses had done. It was what God had done. This service is a time to reflect on what God has done for us as a people. As a church, God has been good to us. And that faithful God will continue to be good to us and continue to be with us. The fourth reason it's appropriate that we celebrate communion on New Year's Eve is because both communion and Passover were established to be a learning experience. Exodus says, and when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it's the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. He passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Likewise, the celebrating communion is to be a learning experience. For 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26, Jesus said, As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth or you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It is a time to instruct our children in what God has done for us in his saving grace and goodness. Communion is a teaching time about our God and about his deliverance. The fifth reason that it's appropriate that we be celebrating communion on New Year's Eve is because both communion and Passover were established to be meaningful traditions. Established to be meaningful traditions. Passover was to be celebrated on a yearly basis. Exodus 13.10 You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. Annually, Passover was to be celebrated. Thus, it was a repeated tradition. Communion is to be established on a regular basis. 1 Corinthians 11.26 says, For often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. doesn't say yearly, it doesn't say how often, but it says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. It's to continue on, and it's to continue on until the Lord returns. 
Some traditions are more important than other traditions. Webster defines a tradition as, I quote, an inherited, established, or customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior, such as a religious practice or a social custom. Some traditions are inherited or passed down, and they don't really matter. It takes wisdom on everyone's part to distinguish between traditions that can be changed and traditions that must stay the course. The difference being the traditions that are handed down, which have come from the Lord as commands, obviously cannot change and are to be continued. For example, the Lord gave us the institution concerning communion. And what he has told us to do must not change. For I received from the Lord what also I delivered to you, is how it begins in 11.23. Paul says, what God has said to me, I now say to you. And from the time of Christ's death, 2,000 years later, we are celebrating communion in light of what Jesus tells us to do. And he says, do it until I come. If we're going to be faithful to God, we're always going to be having a communion service. Not out of habit, not out of convenience, but in obedience to God. Other traditions, even traditions surrounding communion, can be changed. For, our, for example, how often we take communion. When I came, I inherited the tradition of the times in which we celebrate communion. In our church, we take communion six times a year. One of them is in association with New Year's. The other is in association with Monday Thursday. I'm very thankful for those traditions. I'm grateful that we don't celebrate communion the first Sunday of every month. I grew up in a church where that's what we did. We took communion the first Sunday in every month. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I find it very helpful and refreshing to have the opportunity at every communion service to focus on communion. When it's the first Sunday of every month, there's a great likelihood that it becomes tacked on at the end and actually doesn't become a, a real part of the, of the whole service. It becomes an addendum. I say that not with a critical eye. I say it with an appreciation and thankfulness of the way in which we celebrate communion. I said I inherited it. And one of the things that I inherited when I came was the Monday Thursday service. And to be quite frank, when the Board of Elders talked about the Monday Thursday service, I didn't know what they were talking about. That was not a part of my tradition. I didn't even know what Monday Thursday was. And after the board meeting, I had to go home and look it up. 
And I found out what a Monday Thursday service was, and we celebrated it. And I really, really grew to appreciate this tradition. Again, I inherited those traditions. They were already in place. The Lebanon Biofellowship Church is an old church. We've been in existence for over 100 years. And we've got an awful lot of traditions. Some that we do every year, over and over and over again. Some traditions predated me, and they were continued. Others were modified. They were changed. Others were discontinued. Take Discussion Sunday, for example. Those of you who are old enough can remember Discussion Sunday. And the main difference between Discussion Sunday and Fellowship Sunday was that after the noon meal, there was an afternoon service. And we gathered together, and it was supposed to be a, a discussion time. Those of you who know me know I'm not real great at leading discussion, and it soon became a lecture time. And boy, it was long. And eventually, we decided that we shouldn't call it discussion anymore because I wasn't having discussion. And we didn't really want to have a lecture service. And eventually, we changed to Fellowship Sunday. And we had a noon meal. But it was intentional that we really wanted to promote fellowship. We really did want to create an atmosphere of people sitting and talking together and getting to know people better and having a situation where visitors would come and, and would have a meal together. So it was modified. Not dropped, but it was changed. Other traditions were dropped. Some were established during my time, such as the campfire service. And that's become a tradition. We always have a campfire service in June. Again, because it's a time for family to get together, and it's a good outreach time to invite other people to come, etc. As I say, some traditions I discontinued, some I continued, others were modified. I am sure that of the traditions that Pastor Cruz inherits, some will be discontinued, others will be modified, and some will continue as they are. Let me remind you that the only traditions that must be continued are those that are clearly taught in the Word of God. Only those which God's Word demands. For example, the preaching of God's word. Paul writes to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Preaching can be in season and it can be out of season. It can be appreciated and it can be unappreciated. It can be valued or there's a tendency to dismiss it. Paul says no matter what the culture, 
Now, whatever anybody else says, no matter what happens, I charge you, preach the word. That can't change. That can't change. We preach not out of convenience, but out of conviction. We preach not out of habit, but out of command. And I am quite confident that Pastor Cruz will continue to preach the word. I sometimes use handouts. He will probably use PowerPoint. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that God's word is being preached. And our confidence is in that word. Churches run into real problems when they fail to understand what traditions must be kept, those founded upon the commands of Scripture, and what traditions do not have to be kept or continued, namely those that are fashioned out of convenience or even godly principles. Godly principles do not equate God's commands. There may be very good godly reasons behind what we do. But there may be very good and godly reasons to do something different. The only thing that must be held on to are the commands of the Word of God. We need wisdom in understanding all of the other decisions and all the other traditions. But I encourage you to be supportive and excited about what God is going to do in Lebanon under the ministry of Pastor Cruz. Embrace the godly changes that will inevitably occur. I have my own personal traditions in ministry, including a personal tradition regarding communion. I'm going to let you in on a secret that you probably didn't notice. But one of my traditions was that I would pray for the cup during the communion service. Whether it was Pastor Heller, Pastor Bertlett, Pastor Dave, Pastor Cruz, or Pastor Herb, or one of the interns, when we would be serving communion, I would pray for the cup. And the reason being, not because the cup is more important than the bread, but I wanted to pray last. Because the church service was always structured with a great degree of intentionality. I thought long and hard about the hymns we sung, the words that were going to be said, what was going to be communicated, and I wanted it all to focus on what the word was declaring that day. And so I wanted the closing prayer to reflect the thought of the day, the text of the day. So I didn't communicate that to them or anyone. I just prayed for the cup. As I said previously, tonight marks a new beginning. We have a new senior pastor. So tonight, 
in one way, we're going to break a long-lasting tradition. In another way, we don't break it at all. We break a long-lasting tradition in that tonight we're going to have communion and I'm not going to pray for the cup. I'm going to pray for the bread. So, in this way, we do not break the long-lasting tradition. For I want the prayer of the cup to reflect the thought of the message. I want tonight to be a meaningful symbol before you. Tonight marks a new beginning. Pastor Cruz takes over my role, and I'm gladly relinquishing all my responsibilities to him. I will be praying for him and for the church and its future, even as I am praying for him and the church tonight. He has my enthusiastic support, and I receive him tonight as my pastor. So I'm going to ask my pastor to come up here tonight because I want to assist him in serving communion. As he comes, I have one parting reminder. Our confidence is not in people. Our confidence is in the Lord. We celebrate communion in remembrance of what the Lord has done. It is Christ who purchased the church. It is Christ who builds the church. And it is the Christ who is the head of the church. And that doesn't change. And that's our hope. That's our confidence. And to him and to him alone belongs the honor and the glory. May we take communion tonight in remembrance of what the Lord has done for us in anticipation of what the Lord is going to do for us in the year and years ahead. Brethren, if you would come as we partake of communion this evening.